0: Well, greetings and welcome to Writing Muse and Writing Mentor. I am Jeanette de Beauvoir and I'm here today to talk about blogging for authors. So as authors, we are all of us at some level storytellers. We're also communicators and to communicate with our various audiences, many of us choose blogging. It's a way to try out ideas, stay in touch with fans and generate interest in your books. If you treat the practice at all seriously, all the content that you generate for your blog can have another life in another format or inside another publication. In fact, what I generally tell people is anytime you produce content, make sure you can use it three times. I don't mean the exact same content, obviously, but three different ways of using the same research, the same background, the same ideas so that you are not spending all of your time producing content and you're actually spending some of your time writing your book. So that can mean that something you use for a blog you can also incorporate into a podcast or a video. You can put it on your website. Um, you can share it with others. Certainly you can share it all over social media. Pinterest is a great place for that. Um, so think about what three ways can I share this before you produce an article for your blog. And that way you'll feel like your writing is going a little bit farther and your time is going stretching a little bit further as well. Blogging is usually straightforward for nonfiction writers, but it's less so for novelists, and that's probably obvious to you. Nonfiction writers and experts have subject matter that lends itself to blogging, especially if they're teaching workshops or regularly interacting with their target readers so if you are a non-fiction writer if you're an expert on a topic you probably already know off the top of your head the questions that people ask you most frequently you know off the top of your head the topics that are the most popular within your topic and the problems that will surface again and again and again this is absolutely invaluable for starting a successful blog it means that you know your audience And that is the major thing. If you don't take away anything else from today's podcast, take away the fact that you absolutely need to know your audience. You need to know what interests them and you need to know how to engage them. So that was nonfiction writers. Novelists, fiction writers can also have successful blogs, especially if you're able to focus on a specific topic or theme or subgenre that shows up in your writing. It can be extremely difficult, I should say, for novelists to gain traction with a blog, especially for a beginning novelist, a beginning blogger, or someone who is unpublished so far um what happens is that after the novelist has built a name for themselves that's when their blog readership really starts to develop with nonfiction authors it's the opposite it's the other way around blogging can help build a platform that leads to a book deal and this is why all the advice you've probably heard and read about blogging can be so contradictory and so confusing Because the answer to any question about blogging for authors is, it depends. It depends on what genre you're writing in, and it depends on who you're writing for. So let's get a little bit into the the nuts and bolts of this. The first thing that's critical for effective blogging is consistency. In order to gain momentum, you should commit, initially at least, to two posts a week. Some people may be able to get by on one post a week, and certainly once you're established, you can get by on even fewer. But it's a real struggle to gain any kind of traction without volume. So ideally starting out, you should shoot for several times a week if you can. The longer you blog and the more of an audience you build up, the more you can ease back on that frequency. So let's talk about your subject matter. You can think about this in terms of maybe your subtitles or your headlines for your blog posts. If you look at a month's worth of your blog titles, they should actually together convey a strong message about what it is that you write about and who it's for. A potential reader should be able to easily tell if they're going to benefit from or enjoy reading your posts on an ongoing basis. Unfortunately, most authors, I number myself amongst them, have trouble staying focused and disciplined on one topic or subject matter, often because they get bored, or they think readers will get bored, or they get distracted. Um, But again, it's hard to gain traction if you're switching it up all the time and not consistent in what you offer. So if you are a beginner, I, I would strongly recommend that you do what I strongly recommend every beginner to do, which is learn the rules. Follow the rules and then you can decide which rules you want to break. And the initial rules for blogging are you do it consistently and you have subject matter that is at least within shouting distance of the last blog that you wrote and the next one you will. So having covered all that dismal stuff, let's talk about what you can blog about. And there are a number of different models that um, various writing teachers and experts on marketing have put together in terms of looking at um, the content of your blog. And the first one, and my personal favorite, so I'm starting with it, is called the Literary Citizenship Model. And all that Literary Citizenship means is, it means celebrating and bringing attention to authors, to writing, and to books, the three things that I'm presuming in that you want to love and you want to support. This model is particularly ideal for novelists, for poets, and to some extent for writers of memoirs. Blogging with the intent to promote literary citizenship opens up a whole lot of post possibilities, and they can include informal book recommendations or reviews. That's always fun for people to read. It's easy for you to do. And by the way, if you want to use your recommendation in a second place besides your blog, BookBub is a great place to go and leave reviews. It gets your name noticed as well. So might think about going there. Um, the other next thing is that you can include Q&As, questions and answers, or interviews with other authors. And the next part of this that I'm going to talk about is your option of going to other people's blogs and doing a guest post or a guest article. Um, however, I'm a little bit ahead of myself there because here what I wanted to talk about was you extending your invitation to others. This is not where I would start if I were you, and that's mostly because no author who's never heard of you and realizes that you've got three people following your blog is probably not going to want to give you an article unless they really are being altruistic and want to help you boost your blog. And God bless them if they do and jump on it. This is a friend for life. In general, however, you need to build some traction. You need To build some readership, you need to build some reason for them to want to come. But once you've got that, then you've got this opportunity that's almost endless. When you think of all the authors that you enjoy who write close to your genre or don't write close to your genre, who you could interview, ask them about what inspires them, ask them about their characters. It's a lot of fun to interview another author and it gives you a great blog post. And by the way, if you record it, you can then use it with permission as a video or a podcast. So there's your second content um, place to be placed. Another one is what I'm reading now types of posts and other media consumption lists, where you talk about what stuff you're watching, what you're saving, what you're listening to, what you're collecting, all that sort of thing. I actually do this in my newsletter I have one small section that's what I'm reading, and it's usually a book recommendation. Um, But you can talk about what you're reading, what you saw on Netflix, um, an interesting character in a movie that you saw. All of that is interesting, and it builds this rapport with your audience. So if you write mysteries, and your audience is mystery readers, um, I would recommend that you keep your recommendations within that genre because remember that you are writing for an audience and if my audience reads mysteries they are probably not going to be terribly interested in me doing a whole series of of blog posts on how-to books um... how-to books may be very interesting to many of them but it's not what my blog is about so i'm going to interview authors um... and i'm going to give you media consumption list that i believe Will be interesting to the people who read my blog obviously i too need to be interested in it and i don't write about things i'm not interested in i'm i'm grateful to be at a point in my career where i can do that um, but even if you can't keep your blog onto things that are interesting to you and keep you alive and, and engaged um, and show some vitality and that will be reflected then in your readers So those are really great ways of, you know, popping in a quick and easy blog post. It doesn't have to take forever. Um, It can take half an hour to do one of these What I'm Reading Now posts or media consumption lists. People love lists. People love bullet points. So use that because what it does is it saves you time and it saves your reader time to see if it's something that they would be interested in. So as I said, the next thing I want to talk about was writing for other writers. And um, again, it's often helpful when you're presenting yourself to these other bloggers as a potential guest blogger that you have some sort of following or a few books under your belt or something of this sort. That's helpful. It's not 100% necessary. But I find it usually is useful to approach someone um, if you're going to say, I'm going to be bringing new readers to your blog, and hence new readers to your series of books or your standalone novels or whatever it is. Um, but many authors do have blogs that they post to every day, if you can believe that. And it's not always their post. They could be three days a week someone else's post, someone that they've curated, someone that they suggest. And if you have that opportunity it's a it's it's amazingly fun it's amazingly useful Um, you'll interact with people in the comment section you may get some new readers you may bring the other author some new readers but it's always a much more dynamic situation than the one person sitting in a room and writing Um, and remember that you're looking to place your writing in places where readers hang out um, I, I know that early on in my career, when when social media started being a thing, I was eager to get into groups and quote-unquote rooms and chat places with other writers. But essentially, if you're doing that, you're in an echo chamber because you're trying to sell your writing and they're trying to sell their writing. And by and large, we writers don't buy a whole lot of other writers' books because we can't afford them. So... What you want to do is, again, go back to figuring out who your readers are. And once you have that, where do they hang out? So you're going to find yourself more often in groups and chat rooms and so on that are dedicated to mystery readers or to science fiction readers or to people who like how-to books. In other words, wherever the people are who are most likely to read you, that's where you should be. And that's where you should be looking for opportunities to guest blog. And that's where you should be looking for opportunities to join conversations so that your name can be out there. Another way to to approach blogging is to write in your field of expertise. This is obviously a lot easier for a nonfiction writer who's an expert in a subject, um, but it can be really open to anybody. It works beautifully, obviously, with how-to or prescriptive nonfiction categories. It can work with memoir. So for example, if you're writing a memoir about addiction, your blog can offer information and advice and stories for people who are going through the same thing. Well, I do think that novelists can do this also because most of us have some sort of background to our stories. Nothing takes place in a void or in a vacuum. And so all of us have something that the protagonist does for a living or likes doing, or that, you know, their great aunt just opened a bookshop, or something interesting that you can use as something to blog about. So, for example, one of my protagonists is a wedding planner. From time to time, I'm going to blog about weddings. I'm not going to do it in isolation. I'm not going to say, "Ha, huh, funny. I was just thinking about weddings today, but I will introduce it through my character and um, talk about challenges, perhaps, that wedding planners face. So there I've got a great nonfiction topic. I've got um, some SEO mileage from getting people there who are interested in wedding, marriage, etc., etc. I've stayed true to what I do, and I've got a new blog. So, Think about your field of expertise and how you can enlarge that to include everything that you're expert at. Behind the scenes is another kind of blog post, and this is something that readers love. Readers love knowing about you. They love knowing how you got your ideas for the book, who influenced you, how how do you invent a character? Um, How do you decide where it should take place? How do you plot? All of these behind the scenes things are really fascinating to readers. So if you're looking at your audience and what they want to read, bingo, here's a great category. So you can write about your research. You can write about news stories or current events that played a role in the construction of your books. You could develop competitions and events that focus on reader engagement, um, like having readers name a new character in your book or choose a good cover. Um, By and large, they will really enjoy knowing more about the context and ideas that affect your writing. And being involved in your future work is a big thing I offer that to everybody in my patreon account and I think it's something that readers really love so consider that then there's the personal essay or daily life blog um, which I kind of consider the in the infogram or um, Instagram excuse me not infogram I don't know what I'm thinking the Instagram post um, here's my dinner is not quite that bad. However, some writers are successful with informal missives that comment on what's happening day to day or reflect their personal life. This is a great place for you to use a video or a photograph, um, media that steps outside of your general comfort zone, but which attracts a lot of people and frankly attracts the search engines as well. Do think through, though, how you can bring your own voice or perspective to these topics, to these themes, to these subject matters without repeating what's already out there. The most successful blogs have a very focused angle and they appeal to a very specific audience. That makes it easier to attract attention and build a community around common interests or perspectives. So I want to talk now for just a couple of minutes about what you want to consider before you launch your blog. Most of us started our blogs and then figured out what we were doing. (laughs) It's good for you to start the other way around. So before you start, consider your blog title. There is no hard and fast rule here, but it should be clear to new visitors what your blog is about and what they're going to get from it. Um, If your blog title is metaphorical, if it's clever, not clear about the subject matter, if it's just your name, um, you might want to consider adding a tagline that tells and sells whatever angle it is that your blog is taking. Um, Think about readability. If your blog is meant primarily to be read, then don't make it difficult for people to read it. I've seen so many blogs where the text is too small, it's too tight, it's a it's a font that they thought was lovely and is really difficult to read. Do not add ads if you can at all avoid it. First of all, you won't be able to start with anybody because anyone taking out an ad wants to see what your track record is for numbers of visitors, numbers of clicks, numbers of readers. So you're not gonna be able to do it in the start anyway. But even down the line, it's, think think many many times before you start throwing ads on your blog. It's just going to be um, media. It's going to be content that's in competition with you, and the money that you make from it is rarely enough to make up for that loss. So think about that. You don't want you don't want an ad that's going to send them off of your site and into somebody else's. Um, make sure you're protecting yourself first. And a hard-to-navigate layout can do the same thing, It can make someone go somewhere else. You want to make reading what you have to say the easiest, most obvious thing for them to do. Don't be afraid of length. For some reason, people at some point started thinking that the ideal post is 500 words. I don't know how that magical sum got, got thought up, but it's not true. Um, And in fact, when it comes to search ranking, Google looks at the substantive nature of the content and will rank your content lower if it appears shallow, which short posts often do. What you want to do is take the time it takes to say what you have to say. And that might be 500 words, and that might be 1,000 words, and that might be 2,000 words. If what you're saying brings value to the reader, if you're saying it in an eloquent or amusing way, they'll stick with you. So tell the the story in the time it takes to tell the story. Um, When I work with authors, especially in ghostwriting, the primary question I get is, how many pages is this going to end up being? And first of all, it's impossible to know without knowing a whole lot of other things about publishing and layout and that sort of thing. But also, don't aim for a number, don't aim for a number of words or a number of pages. You tell the story in the time it takes to adequately, if not beautifully, tell the story. And that's it. End of it. I did speak briefly about scannability, which I'm not even sure is a word, but I'm going to use it as one anyway. Um, Most people online skim content. They glance at a page. You've got about three or four seconds to catch their attention and keep it. That's the... that's um, that's that's like asking a goldfish (laughs) that's the attention span of a goldfish asking a goldfish to stop and look at what you're writing um actually people out there are not that different they're going to glance at a page and they're going to decide whether or not to stay so make it easy for them to see what it's about and whether or not they're going to want to stay you might want to for instance give them s- subheads so they can see that there are, are little portions of this so they can read it in bits and pieces um, don't be afraid of paragraph breaks one line paragraphs are fine don't be afraid of bulleted lists as I said before or numbered lists of bold lead-ins whatever it takes to make your posts more easy to grasp and for the reader to determine whether or not it's valuable for them Now, as a wordsmith, I was uh, really reluctant to add this next part, but it's absolutely true. Add at least one image. I always begin my post with an image. Psychologically, believe it or not, this typically improves the perceived value of the post. And then the images get pulled and get used when the post is shared on social media. Um, It's okay if the image isn't directly related to the content. It can be metaphorical. Um, as long as there's some connection there and it's attention-grabbing or colorful. And if you're looking for um, images that you have the right to use and that you don't have to pay to use, places like pixabay.com, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y.com, pexels.com, P-E-X-E-L-S, and of course unsplash.com all have images that you may use. That, that, those are my three go-to places for my blog. Um, so take a look and just know that you'll probably need at least an hour because (laughs) those are real rabbit holes to fall down. As I mentioned before, on a regular basis, um, an easy post and one that gets a lot more attention than I believe it should are posts that are lists or roundups. Um, And it doesn't sound all that creative, but people love that stuff. So link to other people's blogs here are my favorite five blogs this week you can say um, it's a win for you for your readers and for the sites you send traffic to but if you look around the writing community week- weekly roundups are very common um, and it can be under any theme or category that interests you. If your most recent book has some sort of theme, then do a roundup around that. What books are out that talk about that? What music is out? What what movies are out? Um, any theme, any category that interests you enough to remain dedicated, enthusiastic, and consistent for the long haul. Um, is going to be a great way to like throw away your Friday blog. You know, who wants to read something lengthy and difficult on a Friday? Give them a list for the weekend, they will come back. As I'm sure you can tell after this very brief, busy tour, there is no one size fits all when it comes to blogging. You need to do two things you need to know who your audience is and how to reach them. You address your own specific audience in your own specific way. And over time, you will get traction. You will get people. um, You will draw people to your website. You introduce yourself as a prominent author. And you'll generate content that can be used and shared over and over and over again. That's what blogging is all about. And this has been Writing Muse and Writing Mentor. I'm Jeanette De Beauvoir. this has been blogging for authors, and we'll see you here again next time. Thanks for joining.